four out of five people between 50 and 74 do not have a basic understanding on how to plan financially for their retirement. Also, one quarter of Americans in that age range of 50 to 74 are very worried that there will be cuts to Social Security. Those are not very encouraging numbers in regard to retirement. Today, Dave will give you 10 specific things you can do to not be in this category of people that are basically losing with money. And along the way, you very well may become a millionaire. Good day and welcome to the Save Like Dave podcast, where we are on a mission to help you save and win with your money on almost any income level. Dave retired at 55, traveled the world, and lived abundantly, all while making well under $50,000 a year his entire career. Now it's your turn. Let's take your financial dreams to the next level. Today's episode is a very practical one. Dave has 10 different tips, 10 different ways that you can use. You don't have to implement all 10, but these are 10 different ways that you can use to win with money. So Dave, go ahead and take it away. Well, thanks, Nate. And always like uh, talking to you podcast friends, and I hope you're learning something, at least pulling one thing out of it on each podcast and trying to implement that into your life. So today we're going to talk about kind of like a top 10 list, right? And everybody likes top 10 lists. And so that's why I put this together. So one thing that I've found now, you know, doing this where we've almost been a year doing podcasts is I do receive emails from time to time and they ask advice on finances on a regular basis. And I'm happy to respond. I'm so encouraged that you all are choosing to change your financial habits and win with money. You know, again, as we've shared time and time again, I don't do this for any financial gain. I'm fine. And I just enjoy helping others learn about finances and specifically personal finance and how you can become a winner in your personal finances. One of the themes that I see frequently is something like, what are the best ways to, and you could fill in the blank. For example, the best way to choose a mutual fund, or the best way to make a budget, or I'll hear, I'm new to personal finance, how do you handle this? And they will give me a specific financial issue. So the underlying theme is what is the best way to do this financial task? What is the best way to solve my problem, financially speaking? Well, as Nate said earlier, or Nate just said, Today, I'm going to touch on 10 specific ways you can win with money. I'm certain there are many others that would be more specific to your situation. However, these 10 points today are good fundamental habits or processes that you can put in place that will make a profound change on how you win with money. And as a side bonus, you can become a millionaire. Well, that's always a nice side bonus. Yeah. Yeah, why not? You know, if you uh, have a plan and and put it in place and be diligent in your plan, you will become a millionaire. All right, let's talk about the 10 things that you can do or the 10 best things that I think you can do to win with money. The first one is, it's a little bit of a philosophical thing, but I think it is very true. It is live each day like it's your last, but plan like you'll live to 100. Sure. You want to enjoy each day because you really never know what the next day brings, right? 
With that being said, you also know that probably you're not going to kick the bucket tomorrow. So you need to plan for your future self because frankly, there is very good chance you will live a long life. That means, financially speaking, you need to save and invest for your future. Yeah, I like that. That's It's always that delicate balance, right? right? You don't want to put all your money to your savings and just plan for retirement. But at the same time, if you live completely for the right now and you're not planning for your future, well, then your last years are not going to be that great of last years. Right. And you know, I've lived long enough to see time and time again, people that are on the extremes. And what I'm trying to explain here is don't be on the extremes. Don't be like nature said, you know, at one end where you're saving every nickel. And then if you do pass, well, you know, what good was that? Or on the other end where you're spending every nickel and not planning for your future. You got to find a balance. And for those of you who have been around a while, you know, in everything in life, there's a balance. If you do an extreme one way or the other, it's not good. And for example, just a simple little thing, you know, we're told to drink water and water is really important. But if you don't drink enough, you could dehydrate, you could get sick. If you drink too much, you could actually die because your electric light, electrolytes get messed up. Your body will shut down and you could die. So the point is, even the most basic thing like water, you have to have a balance. And so what I'm trying to impress upon you is to do the same thing with your financial life. All right, the next one is number two, don't dress to impress. What I mean by that is if you are the kind of person that likes to have the latest fashion, maybe it's a new car every couple of years, and live in a house that is more than you can afford to impress the neighbors, you will not win with money later in life. When you put your money in those kinds of things, it will make you look rich, but it will also prevent you from becoming wealthy later. Does that make sense? Yeah. So essentially, you're not out here trying to impress people with the newest, nicest car, nicest house. You're living in your means. That's right. And uh, I'm going to save this for just a few minutes but on the end of the podcast today, I'm going to give you a really good thing that you can do in this regard. And uh, it's one of my favorite books on finance. All right. The third one is you are responsible for you. Pretty simple, right? If this thing called personal finance is just not your bag, may I suggest you get a financial professional to help you win the money game. But just remember that whomever you choose to help you, however good they are, no one is going to care more for your money than you are. Please take the time to know the basics of personal finance so that you can intelligently discuss your financial wishes and understand what that professional is investing in for you. I know personally, I think we shared it on an earlier podcast but uh, you had mentioned a story about how you were you had invested in Microsoft, <laughs> and ultimately your investment advisor, who makes money on your sale, advised you to sell Microsoft. And of course, as we know, Microsoft is one of the biggest companies in the entire world right now. And you might have made a little bit of money selling at that time, but you didn't make as much money as you could have made. And all that to say, you ultimately were the only one responsible for when you buy and sell. And the advisor that you had, he ultimately wasn't going to have to live with the consequences. That's right. Exactly right. And that's funny you said that, Nate, because actually I am going to talk about that in a minute. I'm going to give you what happened to me specifically. And it's, uh, I think you'll see it's quite eye-opening. 
And just to add to what Nate said, that broker, that was the very first stock I ever bought. I didn't know anything about personal finances from a a mutual fund perspective or stocks. And I was just a, a green rookie. And like Nate says, I went to this broker. He said, Microsoft looks great. Let's buy it. I did. And then 11 months later, he said, hey, you did great. Let's sell it and buy something else. Because as Nate said, the brokers, they don't make money when that stock is just sitting in your account. They make money when you buy it and when you sell it. And you know that's, that's his business and that's fine. But if I knew more at the time about how this process works, I would have probably not done what he told me to do. But that's Water Under the Bridge, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute as well. Okay, the fourth one that I want to talk to you today about is live below your means. Simple enough to understand the concept and not always easy to accomplish. One way you can live below your means, and I know you may not believe this, but is to make a monthly budget so that you know where every dollar goes. And then in that budget, put at least a 10% into your separate savings account. So, you know, you have all these expenses you got to pay. You got to pay your rent and your mortgage and your utilities and, and so on and so forth, your food. But put 10% aside for you. Put it in a separate savings account. And I've talked about this several times. And over time, that money that you put in there, you're going to put into investments that will go up in value. And again, it's a long-term proposition, but by doing that, you're going to see a change in your life. It doesn't happen immediately. It doesn't even happen in the first year or two, but it will change over time. And that's when you become a successful person in personal finance, and you're going to start winning with money. One other thing to do to live below your means is by not carrying a credit card balance and to budget every single month. You will live below your means and you will win with money. The fifth one is be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Have you heard of that one before? That quote is attributed to Warren Buffett and it's a good one. You need to have a strong resolve, but the idea here is to invest your money when the economy is taking a beating. And I've seen three of those down cycles in my lifetime. In 2000, we had the tech crumble. That was when the personal computer revolution was just kicking in. And we saw all sorts of businesses get these incredible amounts of money to start these tech businesses. And and the big one that everybody talks about was there was one called pets.com. And they got tons of money from investors because everybody thought pets.com was going to take off and just become an incredible stock. Well, it did for a while, but uh, you know I don't remember the details why, but it, it did fail. That, along with many, many others, failed. And that's normal in the business cycle. For example, back in the turn of the, the century, back in the 1900s, there was a ton of car companies. There's actually one right here in Nashville, Tennessee called Marathon Motors that I had never actually heard about until I moved here. But there was car companies in, in Springfield, Massachusetts. There's the ones in Detroit, of course. There were ones in California, all over the place. These young entrepreneurs were creating cars. And you know, when everything settled, when the dust settled, you know, there were a few that succeeded. Ford was there, uh, General Motors, well, what became of General Motors, but there was Dodge, there was Plymouth, there was Pontiac, so on and so forth. I don't know what the number is, but I bet there was a hundred companies that thought they could have a car that would succeed in that business. Well, most didn't. And that's the same thing that happened in 2000 when the tech boom kicked off. 
And so that was one down cycle. The next one that I saw was 2007 and 8, and probably most of you were there. That's when the housing bust happened. And, you know, that wasn't that long ago. And it was devastating if you had a lot of real estate and you had high mortgages. And say, if you're an investor, you could have lost your shirt. Or if you just had your own personal home, you could have lost your home. Many, many did. And the the most recent one is this mess we're in right now. And the U.S. government has gotten us into so much debt. It's caused inflation. And it really puts a struggle on personal finance. Any of you that have gone to the grocery store recently, and I know, Nate, you talked to me about that just this week, prices are absolutely incredible. Well, it's primarily because of inflation and you know, the biggest driver is the energy cost, you know, the price of gas, because that pushes everything. And so uh, those are three huge down cycles in my lifetime that I can think of. And what I'm going to say to you is, unless the world is going to end, if you think we're going to get nuked or whatever that is, the market will rebound. If you do invest during the down cycles, you're going to fare well. I know right now, for example, I have Tesla stock and I have a fair amount of shares and it was doing extremely well for the last two, three years. And right now it's down 60% since the first of the year. Well, that hurts. You know, if I took that out today, I'd still be money ahead, but (laughs) way, way less than what I had a year ago. But there's a woman that uh, invests in, uh, well, she's a contrarian and she is buying tons of stock right now in Tesla. She believes that Tesla is going to come back. Now, whether you do or don't, that's not my issue. I'm not going to share for you to do that. But if you do your homework and you think that looks like something you want to maybe dabble a little bit in, you know, maybe that's what you do. But my point is she, uh, her name, I believe is Kathy Wood and it's ARC is her company. And uh, she believes long-term, Tesla is going to be a winner. And so because it's down 60%, she's really buying a lot of that stock. And she may be right, she may be wrong. But uh, that's my point here. Okay, so be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. And right now, people are fearful. Yeah, that's a great quote. And uh, maybe you have to put some sort of financial control in your life or something because at the end of the day, when you see things going down, you want to panic and you want to get out. Maybe psychologically, it's difficult, but you have to have that belief that over time, generally, the market will go up. Stocks maybe go down, but overall, all the stocks will never completely go down unless we have a serious issue. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, like I said, nuclear war, you know, heaven forbid if that ever happened. Or, you know, if we were invaded, heaven forbid. You know, you think of uh, World War II when Germany invaded these countries. Well, they really damaged the economy of those countries. And then at the end of the war, Germany was totally broken, financially speaking. And if so, you had money in the stock market in Germany during that time. If you were a German, you lost everything, basically. But again, I don't know if you want to go that way. You know, I I tend to be an optimist and and I, I look forward and I plan optimistically for the future. All that being said, I wouldn't go crazy either. You know, I wouldn't take my life savings and put everything in the market right now. Absolutely not. But if you have, you know, 10 or 20% that, uh, you know, yeah, I'll take a risk. I'll, I'll start investing in some of this that I feel strongly about. You know, maybe that's something you could do. Okay, enough of that. Number six, the biggest risk you can take is to not take any risks. So going on with just what we talked about, this is a big issue with many financial newbies that are just beginning in their work and investing years. You know, let's get real. If it's your personal life or your financial life, you want to win in life. 
and you've got to take some risks. In regard to your finances, you've got to put some money in the market or buy some real estate or start a business. If you don't take any risk with your personal life, whether it's relationships with someone that you really uh, are interested in, or you're, you're in a job and, and it's, you're in a rut, or you realize it's not your passion, but you don't do anything about it. If you don't take any risks, you know you're going to be at that job when you're 65 and your life had just passed you by. So that's my point here. The biggest risk you can take is to not take any risks. Yeah, and that's why Dave, at the end of every podcast, always says take action because that ultimately is going to be your best way to learn is to get out there and to do some of these things, not just listen to this podcast, not just read a book or an article. It's actually taking action. That's right. And unfortunately, that inertia is very, very common for many. And uh, so my goal here is to get you excited about taking those risks. And again, the other thing that I try to do, I'm trying to reach basically uh, younger people that are just getting started in the in their careers. And at that age and that stage in your life, you can be a little bit more, you can take a few more risks than say if you were 50 or 60 and you have children and so on and so forth. So if you're not at the job that you know you don't love, if you haven't invested at all, think through how you can do that. All right, number seven, we're almost there, guys. Debt is not your friend. Get this, 80% of people are in debt. Now, that could just be your credit card debt. Could be you have a loan in a car. And uh, many of you that have homes, you have mortgages. And, and, you know, there is one debt that most people have that it's acceptable and I'm okay with it too. And that's if you have a mortgage on a home. Some people actually don't. They save like crazy and uh, they buy their first home cash. And I personally know a man that did that. He was a really cool guy. I worked with many years ago. He was Vietnamese. He came over the boat, so to speak, when uh, the Vietnam War ended and he had nothing. And his, he and his wife both worked like crazy. And um, they saved for probably 10 years. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional because I just am impressed. These guys had nothing. And within 10 years, they bought their house free and clear. So what I'm saying is, don't you be one of those that gets into debt. If you are, take a deep breath and make it your mission in life to get out of it as quickly as possible. And if you are like this friend of mine, this Vietnamese friend, you can even do it that way. Yeah, it's a beautiful story. All right, number eight, create passive income streams. As I've said before, your goal should be to create an income stream that pays you regularly, even when you're sleeping. It could be by investing in real estate or the stock market or starting a business. Over time, this type of investing will allow you to stop working the nine to five and give you more options in life. Number nine, buy and hold. Now here's that Microsoft story that Nate started with earlier. You're not gonna believe this, but here it is. When I first started out investing in 1983, I bought 100 shares of Microsoft and I sold those shares 11 months later because, again, I, I was a newbie. I didn't understand how the market worked. I didn't know stocks and bonds and mutual funds. Well, the broker made money both ways when I bought and when I sold. But unfortunately, that was a huge mistake, financially speaking. If I had not touched those shares today because of splits over, what is that, almost 40 years, 39 years now, that 100 shares would have split many times and would be worth $10.4 million today. 
So I put in wow. $4,100. $4, I bought 100 shares at $41,100. $4, it'll be worth 10 by 4 million. And I'm not kidding. I actually looked that up. I, I could not believe the number. Now, that is extremely dramatic. I actually bought the most successful company in that first, say, 10 to 20 years. You know, Bill Gates and Paul Allen, they had the market. They had 80% of the market at one point in the software that they created. Again, that is extremely dramatic. But my point is, as a financial investor, you should be in it for the long haul. Don't be unnecessarily getting in and out of the market. That's what day traders do. And, you know, some do very well, but most don't. That's not my thing. And that's why I'm trying to say not to do it that way. Buy good, solid, high quality mutual funds and maybe a few individual stocks when you have extra funds and hold on to them. Yeah, I think we've hit on it in, in prior episodes. But if you look at the stock market over the last hundred years, it's only slowly gone up. Dave's mentioned the three big times that the market's taken a hit, whether that be 2000 or 2008 or nine, or maybe currently in 2022, 2023. Well, at the end of the day, you don't lose money over decades. You maybe lose money over years, but you're not going to lose money over decades. That's correct. It, and it lays it out. You can look on any uh, website. It'll tell you that. Long term, you're going to win in the market. All right. The last one is number 10. Five ways others get rich and one way for you and me. Did you catch what I just said? Here are five ways others get rich and one way for you and me. Okay, I'm pulling your leg here, but hear me out. You can become rich by marrying into it. You could inherit it. Or maybe you have an amazing talent. You know, you're uh, in the sports business or you're an actor, actress, musical skill. Or maybe you just get lucky. Like if I had kept that Microsoft stock, okay, you get that idea. I would have gotten extremely lucky and uh, my world would have been even way more different than it is today. I'm not complaining. I'm just trying to say, <laughs> sometimes you just get lucky, right? Or you own a successful business. Now, those are five ways you could get rich. And I know several that have extremely successful businesses. One I could tell you about, but I'm not going to today. But he got just real quickly, he, he took the mattresses that came back from people that buy mattresses online. They didn't like it. He took it and resold them. And he is making a ton of money, doing really well. Good for him. But the five ways to get rich and the one for you and me, you know what the one for you and me is? Well, you could become wealthy by one of these things. But honestly, the best odds are probably going to have you win with money is by spending less than you make, saving and investing consistently. Boring, but that is the way most people win with money. Yeah. So essentially just doing the little things well. Yep. And that's what it comes down to. That is the one thing you can control, how much you spend, how much you save and how much you invest. Yep. All right. Here's four points I want to emphasize and we'll be done today. If there is a theme in today's podcast, I could sum it up like this. Don't keep up with the Joneses. Live below your means and don't dress to impress. Invest in things that will go up in value. The second point is live every day to its fullest. Believe that the best is yet to come and have a positive outlook in life. Lastly, there are many ways to become wealthy, but the tried and true method is to live below your means and save and invest consistently, and over time, you will win with money. And as I always end my podcast, I want to give you one thing to take action on. And I mentioned there was a book that I want to encourage you to read, and here it is. 
I've had listeners ask me for good financial books to read. Today, I'm going to suggest a book that was written in 1998. And I know for you younger people, that's a long time ago. It's a really valid book. It's a book that I think can really help you and encourage you in your journey. It's called The Millionaire Next Door. The Millionaire Next Door. And it tells what a real millionaire in America looks like. And it's not what you'd expect at all. The typical millionaire is more like a combination of the 10 things I discussed today. So pick up this book at your local library and it will help you in your path to win with money. Yeah, that book's a classic, The Millionaire Next Door. I think it still has a lot of great principles that will last on forever. So that wraps up this episode. It's a bit of a longer episode, but Dave did have a lot of meat, a lot of great content on the 10 different ways that you can win with money. On next week's episode, we're going to go back to a subject that we spoke on recently because it is important. Do you have peace in your life? In this case, financial peace? Well, Dave is going to dig deeper on how to get that peace. One element of getting that peace is by cleaning up your personal finances. What I mean is that some of us have a hard time keeping track of our financial assets. Credit card receipts are in several places in the house, passports, checkbooks, wills, and many other important papers are scattered everywhere. For some of you, this kind of stuff is just not very important and it shows. On the next podcast, Dave will give you sound reasons to be a bit better in that department and suggestions how to fix it once and for all. Dave has a quote to finish the episode. All right, here we go. A ship in harbor is safe. But that's not what ships are built for. That's by John A. Shedd.